Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the Friday Show, the show that tried to recreate Erling Haaland's midweek goal and is now on the NHS waiting list for a double hip replacement. As always, we're looking backwards and forwards. We're talking about all-star games, we're looking back at Dortmund, wide players to return the Premier League football for City, plus catching up with a Wolves fan for the lowdown on all things Molyneux. And apologies for mispronouncing Raul Jimenez in part two of this podcast. Uh, to discuss all this... Delighted to be joined by two men who appreciate a Trivella when they see one. It's Lloyd and Joe. Uh, good afternoon, Lloyd. How are you doing? Afternoon. I am well. I'm looking forward to the bank holiday weekend. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Not your average <laughs> bank holiday weekend, is it? I think. No, but it's still an extra day off, so there we go. Well, I guess it is for you, yeah, but some people it makes no... Bank holidays make no difference, to be honest, so... They do when you're an employee. Yeah. You're you're in a different boat. Do you mean when you've got a proper job? Is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. That's what what you said, Howard. Implied, yeah. Uh, Good afternoon, Joe. How are you doing? Good afternoon. God save the king and all that. Um, Yeah, I'm good. I must say, I'm I'm impressed by your um, introduction and and your time at the NHS. You always pull it out of the bag. Get a bit (laughs) sceptical as if if you're going to maintain the standard, but you do a good job on that. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. It puts the pressure on me for the next show now, though. Yeah, you've got to outdo it. Yeah. I did draw my outro to the uh, the last show, anyway, because it was about United. But only only subscribers will know about that one. So, yeah. You're you're looking forward to the return of Premier League football, anyway? I am, yeah. I am. I just... I alluded it to on the on the preview pod last week. I just hate the stop-start nature of the Premier League at the minute, I think. I think I said to Owens, all we ask for is just a normal season of Barclays. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> I thought this was finally going to be it, but nope. Well, so the World Cup saw to that anyway, but yeah, uh, yeah, we didn't see this, yeah, these cancellations coming. Let's put it that way. So uh, it's going to be an interesting second half of this. Yeah, season, it is. Put it it's like gonna, that. It's going to be carnage. Uh, quickly before we look back at the Dortmund game, obviously, very interested to hear what you two think about it as you went on the review podcast. I know we're going to be very quick about this um, and keep it pretty light-hearted. It's a Friday show and Steve and Tom have covered this on the uh, Premier League preview show today. So look out for that subscribers uh, talking about this Todd Bowley's wonderful idea about a North versus South (laughs) match idea. We're just going to spend a few minutes on it. But I would be interested to know both your views on it, the reaction to it, whether people are going over the top and if you think it's there's any... Any good, you know, ideas within what he said? So, Lloyd, I'm going to start with you. Do you. Is this just nonsense that an Americans, an Americans come out with and blah blah blah? Stop trying to change the English game, or do you think there's something in there that Todd Bowley's talked about? <clears throat> um, that was my Gary Neville uh, impression, by the way, slagging off Americans. But yeah, if you've seen his Twitter feed, you'll understand it. So, Nev. Genev, yeah. Um, yeah, Bin, I think, for me. Um, no. <laughs> not, I am not I am not vibing that at all. Um, I just, I've, I've found him quite annoying, to be honest, since he's come in. Um, he seems hell-bent on uh, telling everyone how things should work um, when I think he's done a pretty average job of, of running Chelsea since he arrived. So, 
And I know that's that might be slightly repeating what, what Carragher or Neville have said, but would you I, would you be happier with him saying things like this three years down the line, or is it the fact that he's just arrived as an I owner? Just, yeah, I think it's just it, it it just stinks of a bit of arrogance, to be honest. Um, to just walk in and kind of try and call the shots. Um, you know, he can do what he wants with Chelsea. That's his right. He's bought the club outright, and um, hmm. and I don't think anyone would argue with that. But to start, um throwing around these ideas um you know it's a no from me um it's you know it's giving me slight super league vibes um of the kind of american owners coming in and trying to dictate how football should be in the uk and i just don't see it as something that would catch on i'm sure you know i'm sure they'd probably sell the stadium out if they did it but it just doesn't it doesn't really seem to work to me with English football with what the rivalries are like. I mean, imagine City and Liverpool playing on the same team be, and United. It'd be so... It would just be really weird. Well, um, isn't the point is that they're not going to... I don't know when... You know, there's a whole argument on when do you play it, for starters. But no one's going to be exerting themselves, in it? So it's nothing more than, like, soccer aid with professional yeah, players. So- yeah, but I don't think the players would be asked by it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, so- I don't think it would make that much money, you know. He's probably thinking, oh, two billion pounds, you know, could make from this huge all-star game, and I think he's vastly exaggerating how much interest there would be in it. To be honest, because if the players aren't trying, and they shouldn't, as fans, we don't want them getting injured or putting themselves out in an all-star exhibition match, then it becomes pointless at that point anyway, does it not? Yeah, and look, I, you know. Um, I'm not. I'm not against change and kind of you know moving on with the times. And I appreciate that. Like in the NBA, the All Stars game is a really big day in the calendar. I, I'm just really skeptical and unconvinced that that will translate to British and English football, given the kind of um, fabric of how our game works and just how intense there is a rivalry between a lot of clubs and fans. Um, and I just think it's something that if ultimately. I think we kind of saw it a little bit over COVID. You need player buy-in to do all these kind of things. And, you know, they've spoken out, a lot of them, about the international schedule and how they're unhappy about how many games there are. You know, of this parish, De Bruyne has spoke out very strongly against that. So I can't imagine it's something that the players too would get behind. So, um, yeah, absolute throw it in the bin from me. Uh, Joe, your thoughts? And also... Has there been a bit of an overreaction? You know, whatever you think of his... It was just an interview, was it not? He gave... Uh, it's not as though he's demanding that we sign up to a Super League or it's hardly a 39th game abroad thing there. But what are your thoughts on the reaction from the media to what he said? I think given the, the, the Super League fiasco in April last year, there's obviously... Uh, heightened senses from the media and they're happy to jump on anything that, that is said and, and also ultimately it will gain a lot of traction online as well. Um, what I would say is I, I don't necessarily think Bowler's been arrogant. I think it, it, to me it more smacks of um, just inexperience at the, at the English game and, and a naivety. Um, it strikes me as a bit of a deer in the headlights in terms of everything Chelsea's done, whether it be the money they've thrown around, sacking the manager, um, you know, Days after bringing in Aubameyang and other players, he's clearly wanted, uh, and now this, you know, he's not read the room or gauged the temperature uh, to know it would go down well. In terms of the physical idea itself, I don't really know how I feel about it because, as a bit of um, an NBA 
geek. I, I do think it's really cool when they have the all-star game and all the top players get together, but it's just a totally different dynamic in English football in terms of the <laughs> tribalism and, and the fans. I mean, can, can you imagine... i got an like, image example, of a Liverpool player trying to, or vice versa, trying to injure one of his own teammates because he plays Exactly. Exactly. So can you imagine, even like down to like who would attend the game and fill it out, you're going to have fractions of different supporters and then if someone slags off one player in the team who belongs to another club, it's going to kick off. It's just, I, I don't know yeah. how they I mean, they do it on paper it'd be interesting course, yeah a lot of them are international teammates and of course they're not all <clears throat> sworn enemies or something but yeah I don't think there's really a demand from players is there from yeah, this, or from the fans most importantly perhaps of all uh, the only feasible way to do it for me would you'd have to basically bin the, the community shield mm. um, but I just don't see the appetite for it from the English football Again. going fan the timing, so. yeah. I mean, the community shield for all the, you know, you know, I call it a glorified friendly and don't care about it, but it does make money for charity. So you'd have to replace that money. You'd have to subsidise it and putting it right before the start of the season. Yeah. Again, you're not having anyone trying very hard, are you? So. I'm not sure Bailey would want to give it to charity, Howard. Eh? No. I think they're I'm all about sure maximising profit. I don't think you'd want the money going to charity. That's not the impression I've got. No, but what if you're replacing what? the community shield, you're going to have to because you can't just sack off a game that makes money for well, the cause. I'm looking forward to you being in the boardroom with him when you deliver that news because uh, yeah. I thought that would go down well. The, well, it's going to make thing two that's, billion, um, so there'll be plenty of money around. And the thing that I find a bit disingenuous about it is, oh, it would benefit the whole pyramid system. It's like, one, I don't think it would drum up anywhere near the type of money he was suggesting in mm. the interview. And, and secondly... If there's one thing we know that the American sports um, ownership models are not interested, it's a sharing of the spoils in the pyramid system. So it's just like totally disingenuous. And yeah, but, it's it's yeah, it's just a terrible idea. We're not, it's not anti-American thing. I think we have used. I mean, I think shirt numbers for starters came from America. Mar- a lot of the marketing in the Premier League. We have taken lots of ideas from American sports. That's not. I don't want to be this. Oh, we're English. Everything's okay. I just. Homing in on this one idea, I just don't see it as a starter, and for that reason, that's enough talk about that forever. Just Unless before we move happens. on, yeah, can I just make one last point about it? And to be fair, actually, I will retract my statement. Maybe there's a bit of arrogance because one thing that does annoy me about Americans who, who buy into the game is this this hell bent idea, and obviously, it appears to be driven by profit to fundamentally change how our game works. But the Premier League is the most profitable and popular, most watched sports league in the world for a reason. So if anything, maybe they could take some of the um, things we get right over to their side because, you know, they, they buy into this league because that, they want the riches that come with it. So obviously the league is doing most things right, but they never seem to, as I say, it's probably driven because they want to shoehorn and, and guarantee profits. But, you know, it's there's no need to change a product that, it's so successful in my view. But, yeah. Well, there's yeah. plenty of things that could be changed, just th- this isn't one of them. So, no. So. Right, let's move on. That's enough of that. <laughs> let's look back to the Dortmund match. So, 2 1 victory in the end. Hard fought, nervous, didn't go especially how I thought. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Lloyd. Now that just has settled, how do you view the game? Because I said in the review, it went absolutely the opposite of how I previewed it. In that, I thought Dortmund would come out. Uh, we would profit from them coming out. But ultimately, and I don't criticise them for this whatsoever, 
They were quite defensive. They were organised. They cut off channels. And it was a totally different game to what I expected. But City won in the end. Yeah, as the dust has now sailed, how do you view the game as a whole, how City did, and just the overall feelings, you know, once that match had finished? So, first thing to say is I thought you lads did a very good review. Um, Thank you. I, no worries. I did disagree with Asan, though, I think, like most, sorry, boss, uh, that um, I did think Dortmund were very good, particularly first half, out of possession. Um, I thought, actually, whilst we weren't great and, you know, Morris and Grealish have taken a lot of pelters online over the last couple of days, I do think they played really well and made it really difficult and were very compact. And as um, to be fair, I think Owen Hargreaves analysed it really well at half-time, showed how tight they were in between midfield uh, and defence in terms of where Bellingham and Emre Chan etc were and how how they were kind of cutting off the spaces that our number eights normally get into so I did think they were they were very impressive particularly first half and like you said I was with you you know don't, don't generally don't do that you kind of expect them to come and give it a bit of a go but they you know it wasn't really until the second half um, that they kind of sprung up and went for us a bit in terms of the game for me, particularly having reflected on it, I do think this really felt like probably the first time since Haaland's arrived where we had a tight game and it's almost like he's he's won us he's won us the game. It's a, it, that's our kind of get out of jail free card that we've been missing. Um, you know, Stone scores a goal like that, and you know, I don't think even John Stones expected that to go in probably, um, but. You know, that kind of goal could happen in, in, in seasons gone past, could have happened last season, but I don't think we break the game open and go ahead 2-1 where um, Haaland did there because I just don't see who else in our squad in any other season would be on the end of that. I mean, maybe Aguero, but, you know, it was probably too high for Aguero. Well, I think it would be too high for Haaland to head. That's what I say. Virtually every striker in the world would try and head that, wouldn't they? Mm. And probably miss it, I think. Yeah. I agree. And that's obviously why I went with it, um, with his foot. I, it, yeah, it just really smacked to me of, as we turn the pressure on and we kind of, you know, really pin them back. And a goal felt like it was coming. I think for the first time, probably this season, um, it was really, we were up against quality opposition and we got over the line because Haaland is the difference maker in a key moment like that. And that's, and that's ultimately why we got the win. And I think hopefully this will bear out more fruit across the season when we get into bigger, tighter games against even better opposition. Um, but I just, it really, particularly having reflected on it, that's really how I kind of came away thinking of it and just how lucky we are to have a player like that in, in our team. Yeah, uh, Joe, I hate, I'm not a big fan of the, the phrase game of two hours, but it was kind of maybe a game of, an hour and then the last 30 minutes due to substitutions but were the tempo problems in the first half and before before we get to discussing the wide players which we will be doing because we have to in a way uh, such a big talking point in the match tempo problems in the first half for you too slow and if there was does this come from players or managers do you think? Um, I think th- there was definitely a tempo issue in, in our build-up play. Uh, I think just to, to back up what Lloyd said as well, I agree Dortmund did 
a very tactically sound job uh, for most of the game. In fact, if, if you're honest, our two goals have come from ridiculous pieces of quality. Um, I thought Hummels was really rolling back the years outstanding, specifically with his positional play and marshalling the defence. Um, and you could tell that he was... They used his experience uh, for that positioning uh, and followed his lead. But um, we certainly helped their cause at times. I thought it was a bit lethargic and and, um, in terms of getting the ball out of the defence into the midfield. Rodri was maybe dilly-dallying a bit too much on the ball. And I think when you look at um, the fact why we're probably being more critical than we would normally is the fact that they'd had the break. some would say that could maybe work against them and, and lead to the sloppiness. But my expectation was, having had you know a full week and a half, whatever it's been, with, with Guardiola um, to kind of focus on this game and, and the tempo, it was really dull and disappointing. Um, and I think, again, we've ultimately won the game 2-1 based on two moments quality. Obviously, the substitutions massively um altered the game and we'll discuss how they did with the wingers but I thought we were really I don't want to say lacklustre but we certainly didn't seem to have an urgency that that's needed in these situations when you're playing against a low block and a a well-drilled organised team like they were and I have to hold my hands up because I thought we'd absolutely batter them Mm. Um, and it just turned into a, a real chess match of a game there's danger of making predictions yeah lesson learned found out this week yeah Right. Didn't you say 4-0, Joe? Uh, 4 Yeah, it's either 4-1 or 4-0. Oh, well. Oh, well, we've all been there, mate. Yeah. You predicted a win. <laughs> Cheers, Lloyd. That'll do. <laughs> uh, Lloyd, the wide plays. I've, a lot's been said, and I've still got more to say, even after everything I said on the review. I'm, I'm a bit conflicted about this, um, because I, I'm just not quite as... <laughs> willing as other people to jump in and talk about two wide players and it be the problem being in that first half being about players not playing well and that's the issue Hmm. how do you feel about that what I'm saying basically is I think Pep has some answering to do in how that team was set up and I'll come back to that a bit later but let me make it quite clear. I did not think Riyad Mahrez or Jack Grealish played very well in this game. So I'm not saying they were blameless. I'm just saying they didn't get any help to play well. And I think, as Joe has said off there, maybe in a tweet or on WhatsApp or whatever, Mahrez, in a way, was the worst of the players. And perhaps this poor form has, has come, you know, has extended into last season as well. Uh, your thoughts on the wide players? A lot's been said. A uh, chance for you to to talk about whether the issue is the players themselves, the system, because it's not the first time why players mm. have had issues in this team this this season, or something else altogether, a bit of both and a mixture of reasons. Well, I think a lot's been said because there's a lot to say, mm. quite plainly. Um, so I think my take is, I agree with what you and Joe just said, first of all, about Mahrez. I think... You know, really, if we're directing the microscope at anyone, it should probably be at Mares, principally because he's a very senior player, one of the most senior in the dressing room. Um, he's not got the excuse that I think Grealish still has to an extent that he's new under Pep. And, you know, given how this season will pan out in that most of our players will go to the World Cup, 
etc etc Mares won't I really expected a strong start from him this season um, I know he didn't finish the season in great form but obviously he was a you know he was pretty consistent performer for the majority of last season um, and I think his start has been really really poor not only I think has he played it too safe um, and you know I thought when he came on against Villa for example he offered absolutely nothing um, I think also his accuracy has just been way off where it normally is. The, the thing you can normally rely on Mares for is that, you know, his first touch is always literally incredible. Mm. Um, his delivery is normally pretty pretty sound. And, you know, he he does a little what Grealish does, which is why people get frustrated when they play together, in that he keeps the ball, t- keeps it ticking over, plays the right passes. And, you know, sometimes probably... Um, takes a shot possibly when when he should pass but I think that's you know that's natural he's an attacking player and I think he's struck, generally struck the right balance in recent years but I think he started really poorly and I think it's a problem um, because as we've seen Foden's been the one that's been shunted around because he's more reliable and he's played on the right which really should be where Mahrez is playing so I think that's that's the first point to make the second is obviously on Grealish um, and I also think I've tweeted this this week, you know, there's got to come a time where we get a bit serious and frank about Grealish. And I don't think we're exactly there yet, but, you know, he's been here for a while now. It's not like he hasn't, he's been in and out of the team. He's played pretty consistently when he's been available. Um, I think the caveat is that this season has been a bit tough for him because he's been in and out with injury. Um, And he obviously started relatively well in pre-season before not playing fantastically against Liverpool in the Community Shield. Um, but he still definitely is, to my eye, playing within himself too safe and just not willing enough to take risks. And I know, again, people will say, well, I think perhaps asking him not to do that and look at the games he didn't play, we were calling out for someone to keep the ball, recycle. I get all that. But still, irrespective someone who plays front three for City needs to still make things happen they've got to be involved in goals and assists and they've got to even if they're not involved in goals and assists they've got to affect the game in a kind of key way and you, we're just not seeing that from Grealish at the moment um, and it's a problem um, I'm less concerned about Grealish albeit still concerned just because I think like I said he's, he's got a couple of caveats in his favour but it really is coming to the time where you know over the next couple of months he, he really needs to step up to the point where he is contributing materially on a very regular basis because otherwise we do have a very big problem on our hands. I think key to my line of questioning is now the subs come on and make a difference on an hour and obviously perfectly fair to say that Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden are better players in better form. I'm, I'm not trying to argue that they're not that thing but they are subs. They get the support. The Formation changes, of course, you know, the boy moves to the right. Uh, it's more dynamic and coming on the subs is easier. Well, not easier, but, you know, it gives you an opportunity to run at the Yeah, the game's players. broken open a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm saying, in that first half, and again, they did play well, our wide players, in that first half, if we'd started with Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden, would you, would it have been much different? I'm saying, what? how much of it in that first half is on the players themselves? How much is it on... The fact what Grealish had to face in that first half, i.e., having to run at, you know, being double marked and having very little support, is completely different to what our subs had to play with in the last twenty minutes. Do you see what I'm saying there? So. Yeah, 
Look, I, I take it on board. It, you're, you're right to say it's you know it's easy to come on when the game's broken open, when Dortmund have come yeah. out of the traps a bit more, and when everyone's a bit more tired. But I also think it's giving Mares and to a lesser extent Grealish a massive pass. It's, it's giving them a massive pass. We generally play against low blocks, very defensive teams. And I'm sorry, the bottom line is, if you're going to play for City and you're at that level, you've got to find a way to make something happen. You've got to do something in and around the box that, you know, and it can just be like a quick one-two or, you know, a a few passes around the corner. You beat a couple of men. And I just don't think we're seeing seeing it from those two at the moment. And yes, you know, it was a bit easier for Alvarez and yes, it was a bit easier for Phil when he came on. But we've seen that Phil can still do that, you know, from the from the beginning. And I think Morris for me is the one you've really got to look at because he started a few games this season, and he's just he's just not been good when he's played generally. Um, and I'm sorry, I we've seen preseason as well. I mean, we didn't have much of a preseason, but yeah, it just no, and we've and we've seen trend. we've seen Riyad, you know, do lots of excellent things against low blocks. He's helped us unlock teams on a very regular basis over the last. What three seasons well, prior to thirty-two so, goal involvements last season, of course. Yeah, and were we playing against teams that were coming gung ho at us last season? Were we bollocks? You know, we were generally playing against low blocks. So, I just think you know the microscope is is justified and it's worth talking about. Um, and they need to do more. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, Joe, pairings <laughs> again. If we, yeah. Everything's been said on Grealish that it's not it's not working at the moment, and yeah, we're getting mm. to that stage where we have to wonder about you know what the future holds. How relevant is pairings? Here? Working with Cancelo doesn't seem to work that well. Uh, some no. other people have said you know Gundogan and De Bruyne started together in the two games where we dropped points in the league this season. They started in this as well. Perhaps there's a lack of dynamism there, even though individually they are obviously world class players. It's not just about how good players are. So. Is Grealish suffering in that he isn't really a winger, is he? He's not a, head, a touchline hugger. He could move inside. He could be a central midfielder. But then people question: Well, has he got the dead, has he got the absolute discipline for that? Because of course, Pep needs control in that, across the midfield. <sighs> All this kind of ties into the conundrum of why we bought him in a way. Where did we see him playing? And ha- you know. Does he have a future somewhere else in the pitch? Are we at a crucial stage now? And do you think he does deserve some support in that the system he's playing basically in a system that doesn't suit him? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think his his natural um, skill set will always lead to him drifting inside and attempting to to put one in, in the top corner. It's just his natural. His low centre of gravity will drop the shoulder. Um, Cancelo's natural um, creativity always kind of leaves him closer to the edge of the box rather than offering a real consistent wide outlet for 90 minutes. And I think we've obviously been used to, specifically over the last five years, having a Sterling who will hug the touchline and drive at the edge of the box to get inside nine times out of ten as opposed to, to being more of a creative influence. And I do feel for, for Grealish. I know some will take a, a more ruthless approach with him in that it's a £100 million signing. He needs to offer more in terms of goals, assists and output. But for me at the moment, there's almost an element um, for Dortmund that obviously knew that that 
that outlet in terms of a, an overlapping fullback wasn't an option for him. And it was more of like a try hard performance, uh, to the point that it became really predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, coming inside shooting, I think he had three or four shots blocked, the same movement over and over again in the first yeah. half. I think well said. It was probably Dortmund's, you know, easiest part of the night de- defending our left side um, until the changes. So it, it, it got to a stage where it just it just looks, I don't want to say totally devoid of confidence, but you can see it's, there's a bit of um, maybe mentally it's starting to, to, to strain on him that he's putting more pressure on himself to, to try and score goals or, or, or force in the issue, which then kind of negates his quality further. Uh, and makes him easier to read. So it's a real difficult spot for him. Um, I'm like you. I find it difficult to kind of justify the signing at this point in time, but I'm going to stay behind him. He's, he's a lad with loads of quality. We know that. The issue is, I think Asam put it yesterday, we've sold Sterling, um, and that can be interpreted as, as almost giving Grealish the mantle to say, go ahead and make it your position but he's not started the season well. So the pressure is going to continue to mount. I think with him being an English lad and almost seen as the, the nation's hope uh, during Euro 2020, as a City player is concerned, he was given more probably freedom from from mass media criticism of his on-pitch performances. But you're already seeing that start to ramp up slightly, I feel, this season. And it's only going to get worse. So he's in a difficult spot. Lloyd, could you see him be moved into the middle and so, I would, would say there's very little room for experimentation in the season especially like this but there's plenty of games where we could try him in the middle without it being too much of a risk I just don't think he'll uh, be trusted um, mm. I think I think we'd have seen it already to be honest um, yeah, I think it's time, it, yeah. it's strange it is strange because when he when he signed the noises were very much he'd been signed to play as a number eight and there's really been nothing on that since his first game away at Spurs when he played there for a little bit and that has literally been it um, you know there have been plenty of opportunities for Grealish to play there we've had lots of injuries in and around the last kind of 15 months and and actually when we've been short there it's been Foden not Grealish that's ended up playing in midfield so I mean theoretically I, I think it could happen but I've always I've always been pretty steadfast in my belief that I don't think he's good enough off the ball to play in midfield um, for what Pep demands. I think Grealish to me is very much a, a, a left winger and that is in a way part of his problem because I don't think he is as versatile as Foden or some of our other attacking players, Alvarez, another one coming to mind. And whilst you know it can actually sometimes be uh, <laughs> it's not a weakness for Foden but it can also it can almost be something that um, kind of gets in his way, it generally means that he makes most starting 11s. Whereas, you know, if you want to play Foden out wide left, I think it generally means Grealish will be on the bench. And that mm. that is a problem for him. It's quite a conundrum because I think perhaps we bought him because he was available at that time. Perhaps we bought him a year in advance to replace someone, but we're no closer to knowing who that someone was. Was it to replace Sterling? Was it the thought that Gundogan might go? Obviously not similar players, but you know, that that part of the pitch, we're, mm. we're still none the wiser to knowing, yeah, if we do get the best out of him, 
because he is better than this. You know, he's not a bad player. Uh, he's better than this, but we're, not, we're no closer to knowing just where he would be most effective. So, Can I just ask a question? What do we think... What do we think Pep's asking of him at the moment in terms of his role? What do you think Pep... Because he's still getting selected. Yeah, he's still getting he's selected. He's still in the team. So, I mean, ultimately, his City career is going to be determined, despite what we might think of form and how he's playing, by what he's doing in the manager's eyes. So, that's what I can't figure out with him either. I, I just mm. I don't know what... I haven't got I haven't got the answer to that. So, but perhaps what Pep not, expects from him? Well, as you say, he's still getting game time. So, I would be surprised if he started against Wolves, for example. I think I know, it's a good question to ask because I do think Grealish is quite unique in that. And Pep's actually spoken about this. He's incredibly good at kind of carrying the ball, and he's incredibly good at playing um, like what are termed as like key passes in and around the box. So not necessarily like assists or, you know, uh, the pass that leads to the goal, but one that ends up kind of setting up a chance or putting someone in a position to then provide an assist, etc. I think the problem though is that ultimately, I think we've all watched enough of like the Amazon Prime or New City Plus documentary to know that Pep will be demanding goals and assists for him. There's absolutely no way that he won't. Um, well, you talk, you talk about the demands. He's still pecking away at Phil Foden's head and wanting more, isn't he? So, yeah. Well, so, I mean, so to caveat on Grealish, obviously we've given quite a bit of criticism. But my thought, for example, Newcastle away in a game that turned into a topsy-turvy mess for for most of the first half. You may disagree, but I I think if Grealish plays that game, given his ability to to get a foot on the ball, control it, and, and win fouls. I think it's much more likely that we win that game. So sometimes it's a case that when he plays, it's almost like, what does he offer? What does he do? But then when he doesn't play, you, you feel mm. like there's no one getting a foot on the ball here. And so he's playing the wrong games. Yes. Yeah, well, I think, was he injured for the um, Newcastle game? I can't remember, but okay. it just turned into like a basketball game, didn't it? Mm. And it was crying out for someone, in my opinion, to, to get a foot on it and just calm it down. Well, this is this game, Dortmund, I, you know, that's why I, was, I probably expected Gomez to start if he was starting as well. Because you'd get that. Because Cancelo, of course, is not going to overlap uh, because he's not left-footed, you know. So... It's a hundred million pound conundrum. Is what it yeah, is. there's lots of little system niggles I think still in this team at the moment, which kind of leads me on to the next question, Lloyd. These first world problems, really, aren't they? Because we've we'll come to this in a bit, you know, about how we we deal with the next two games against Copenhagen, but we've essentially qualified for the knockout stage, so we're pretty blessed, aren't we? After all, but have we played well this season? Or is that far too vague a question for you to answer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we yeah, we won 4-0 in Seville last week. Let's, uh, yeah, we've, definitely, we've definitely played well. Um, we've maybe, you know, we've maybe not played the same swashbuckling, completely kill the opposition, keep the ball for 75% of the game, don't allow the other team to have a shot kind of vibe. We've not had a lot of that football, but that's partly because we're learning to play a different way with Haaland I think the players are still adjusting to the kind of different types of chances we now need to create versus 
lots of you know one twos in and around the box to get someone half a yard now it's a lot more you know let's get the ball in and around the six yard box and let's put it on a plate for Haaland and that does I think that does affect then how we are out of possession and how we um, are then countered on because we're in slightly different positions and we're not able to possibly kind of just completely kill and uh, nullify a team when we're up in the final third and kind of nip out that first ball that tries to come out of defence and then just kind of pin them back. So I think that's something to do with it. Um, And look, for two years, we've played in a very different style to what we're playing in this season, to my eye anyway. Um, And I still think we're figuring that out. But I think we've still Mm. seen some great football. I mean, Forest at home, I thought we were absolutely excellent. I think that's the best we've played in terms of with and without the ball. Um, And I thought second half in Sevilla at times, once Phil got the goal and we kind of got our energy up, um, you could see that kind of confidence return. Um, So I've been, I've been satisfied for sure with, with how we've gone. And I know what, I know where you're coming from with the question. I don't think that's, it's a ridiculous thing to ask. It's Harland masking issues. It's probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it, I think we're in a bit of a, um, feeling each other out period mm. I just think we've we've gone from pretty much uh, like you just alluded to like two years of dominating every aspect of the games that we play in terms of the, the tempo and, and build up to playing in moments this season um, where we've we've gone through the motions somewhat in games and then we have these like 5, 10, 15 minutes call it the Aston Villa syndrome where we just blitz teams away Um like is in that, the final game of last season. Is that mostly down to the huge upheaval in the summer, though? I think so, yeah. We, I are, think, we are looking at a new t- team and way, in a way, aren't we now? So. Yeah, structurally, it's clearly different. Yeah. Um, and it is natural. When you've got a player like a Haaland, that, I don't want to say we're becoming reliant on him, but there is a feel that it's almost like a get out of jail card at times because if he gets like even the sniff of half a chance there's you know a solid percentage chance he's going to put it in the back of the net um, so yeah it is different I do feel like we're still acclimatising I mean we've got this Grealish question we've got the like who's playing where in the wide positions but we've definitely to me it seems like we score a goal and then that kick starts a, a spree of more goals and we play brilliant football for 5, 10, 15 minutes usually blow teams away even if we're 2-0 down like with Palace uh, but we need to put it all together. Yeah. Uh, final question for part one then. I'll start with you, Lloyd. I say we're essentially, don't want to be cocky or complacent, Copenhagen drew with Seville uh, this week. So we're five points clear of third place. Let's be honest. <laughs> Not bad, eh? We don't even need six points for the next two games, but we get six and we've obviously qualified with two games to spare. Home game first and away. I say not to be complacent, uh, he's not going to be putting kids out and perhaps not going to be complacent. He's going to take it very seriously. But do you see an opportunity now for the next two games against Copenhagen for Pep to try something different? Perhaps some examples, Gomez gets game time, Phillips gets game time, Marmes can play himself into form. Perhaps we take that risk. Perhaps we do move Grealish somewhere, stuff like that. Or do you think Pep will just treat it like any other game and and you know, we'll pick his team according to what the best chance of winning. I think in an ordinary season, I think Pep would very much just go at this stage of the competition, I'm just going pretty much all out. 
I think this season is different, particularly now with the delays um, and the fact that, you know, we might not be affected this weekend, but we've now lost the Arsenal game as well, which is going to need to be fit in. Um, so I do think he will shuffle the pack a little more than he would normally. I would expect in the third game he probably goes stronger than he will in the fourth. And if we can get if we can get a win there, I think naturally, you know, we're basically there at that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think it, sh- it would be it, 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 to me it represents a good opportunity to get the likes of, like you say, Phillips, Gomez, potentially Palmer as well. Some of the guys that haven't played that much get them some minutes um, and it makes sense because we're going to need we're going to need all these guys that's you know that's part of the conversation around Grealish at the moment I think it's that you know there's going to there's going to come a point where Phil's going to get injured or you know um, De Bruyne is going to get injured and then we're going to need to shuffle things around and Bernardo will then have to play in midfield and we won't have him as an option you know there's lots of things like that so I do like yeah I do think because this season is slightly different, I think we're probably more likely to see a slightly more pragmatic Pep than maybe we would um, typically. Yeah, put Grealish on as a sub in a game and see if he makes a difference in that role. So if he is short confidence, we will see. He came on as a sub against, um, was it Forrest? When we were already quite far ahead Yeah, and did nothing. (laughs) What, was everyone else around him? Down to second gear there, well, I don't know. Yeah, but idea. then you know, if, if we're making the, if you make the argument that we just made, you just made for Alvarez, Foden, and Bernardo having it easier. Mm. Blokes come on against Forest; they're already Forest, four yeah. nil. They're four nil down. Um, you know, run riot, lad. You know, go for it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Joe, just your final say as well on you know the future uh, international break coming up. Of course, yippee. Uh, mm. you, it was tough, but City, you know, are near the top of the table. We can't expect games like Dortmund to be, you know, to, to walk through games like this. Uh, are you happy with where the team is at the moment? And the final question, is there anything else left to say about Erling Haaland? <laughs> I mean, try something new that no one else has said. Go on, I'll give you a challenge. Well, I mean, you've just got to commend his attitude and, and his ability to to bounce back in face of the stinging criticism from Rory Jennings to to take that August Player of the Month award. Because, um, you know, clearly he was going to flop. It was a guaranteed flop, I believe he said. I mean, some of the stuff that was spoken about him before the season was just downright. I mean, the guy, even before we signed him, was he not like the record holder for his age of goal scored in the Champions League? Um, that Scorpion... I don't know if what you'd call a scorpion kick slash goal. Um, I thought that was pretty cool when Pep said it reminded him of um, Johan Cruyff at the New Camp, uh, and then they did a side by side video of it on Twitter, and it was like pretty much identical. Yeah, yeah. Even I cool. was born then. So. Yeah, but obviously, anywhere for a, a Cruyff plug, Pep will get it in money. Um, but yeah, no, couldn't, I'm delighted. In terms of your first uh, question, I mean, what we're one point off Arsenal. Um, top of the Champions League group and we've not really hit a rhythm so we've probably got the best young forward in the world in, in just banging goals in and going from strength to strength so I don't see how you can't be very excited for what's to come well I've watched Le- Lewandowski join the week the best forward in the world so <sighs> that's a question isn't it yeah for another time uh, right that is the end of part one uh, Joe you're heading off aren't you got things to do 
I am. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, that is the end of part one. Uh, now on to part two. Uh, yesterday I caught up with a Wolves fan to talk about all things Wolves, uh, their season, what's been going on, his uh, hopes, and of course this weekend's match. Uh, delighted to be joined by Gullit from the Pack Mentality and the Wolves Fancast to discuss all things Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, good afternoon, Gullit. How are you doing? All good, thanks, Howard. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Uh, thanks for coming on and chatting to us as well. Uh, of course, talking all things Wolves, I guess the best place to start is as we go into this weekend to look at your season so far, which, of course, for everyone, it's been a bit of a gap uh, since the last game. But you go into the weekend with Wolves having gained six points from six games. How do you feel about the season so far and how it's gone for you? It, it's There's almost two kind of parts to the season so far. I think you could look at our season up until this point from a transfer perspective and be pretty pleased, uh, apart from the fact that uh, Sasha, Sasha Kalajic uh, done his ACL yeah. in that last game against Southampton. But from a performance perspective, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. We're typically um, pretty solid defensively, uh, but the biggest mistake I think we made so far was going into the season quite light on numbers. Mm. And um, that opening a couple of fixtures, we really suffered as a result, I think. Um, Raul Jimenez was missing from the first game against Leeds uh, and then also again in games against uh, Fulham as well. And really, we, we just lacked um, any real goal threat uh, in, in some of those games so we ended up on the wrong side of a couple of results um, especially that, that Leeds game I think if we got to a good start with three points in that game then I think the outlook would have been slightly different uh, after that um, because it wasn't it was a relatively kind fixture list uh, to begin with so we're kind of on the back foot at this stage going into a game against uh, Manchester City not, not one you, you expect to get too much from but at the same time from a squad perspective, I think this is arguably the strongest squad Wolves have had, you know, since God knows what, the, the 50s in our kind of halcyon days. Mm. Southampton's first win of the season, was it a better performance than the ones that preceded it? I wouldn't necessarily describe it as better. I think a lot of our games so far this season have been really fine margins and we just kind of ended up on the right side of those margins. I don't know if you saw Shay Adams' uh, rather comical miss um, where he, he managed to handball it into the net in a, with an empty net from about a yard out. Um, and he let us off the hook, really, in that instance. But there, there are good signs there. I think the real kind of aim at the moment is to transition to this new shape. We're gone with a back four and play much more attacking football. It's not really come to fruition so far, but um, we've got all the ingredients to make sure that it becomes a success, I think, um, with the, the signings that we brought in. And hopefully with a little bit of a break, um, the guys have worked on that shape, that system with the new signings that we've, we're trying to integrate and uh, we're set up a little bit better uh, going into the game on Saturday. So... Mateus Nunes is quite the coup. Uh, how, how many games has he played so far for your sides? I think he's played three games. He made his debut against Tottenham, uh, got got chucked straight in there and um, then featured uh, against 
well, who have we played since? Honestly, it's 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 been a a week away from football. Really, kind of uh, messes with your head a little bit. You've it played does. In the yeah, Carabao. I've been on holiday, so I've not even seen match of the day <laughs> as well. And the, the week before, so yeah, I've not seen anything of it. But quite a, a coup, you would say for Wolves. Well, just I ask about him because obviously you do have a, a slightly different recruitment policy to many other clubs. Uh, just explain it. Do you think? Generally, I mean, you've received criticism from other clubs in the past, I know, like a few years ago, perhaps championship times, but it's a, has it been hugely beneficial to have this relationship with an agent and to have Portuguese players coming in and have the, this kind of different recruitment policy for you? Has it been a, do you think there's been far more advantages and disadvantages to, to Wolves as a club in how you've done your recruitment recently? Yeah, I, I mean... The long and short of it is if we didn't have this relationship and have um, some of the connections and, and the opportunities in the network that, that have become available to us off the back of uh, the ownership coming in and developing that, we wouldn't be a Premier League side. We wouldn't have had a, a run in Europe like we did a couple of years ago. Mm. We wouldn't have established ourselves at this level as well as we have um, without it. Uh, that is the bottom line. I think if you look at it uh, from a perspective where clearly there are clubs out there that have a bit more of a wide-ranging transfer policy i think of probably brighton as, as the best example of that at this moment in time you, you can look a little enviously sometimes and think you know what there are deals to be done out there there is a market out there beyond george mendez and his cabal yeah. of portuguese footballers but you know when when he then pulls Mateus nunes out in a transfer window in it, you know the kind of signing that we didn't really uh, feel like we were going to make um, probably at the start of uh, the transfer window and uh, the, all the suggestions were that while we were interested it wasn't likely to happen and for then it to, to, to actually come to fruition again it's it's um, it always keeps you kind of you know tugging back at you a little bit in, in the sense that you know what maybe we are in better hands with, with someone like George Mendes at the helm yeah. Well, it feels like he's at the helm anyway from a perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, owns, yeah. he owns the club. He's denied <laughs> that in the past, does he not? Yeah. Uh, of course, with that injury to... Should I butcher his name? Is it, was it Klasic? Sasha Klasic, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty good <laughs> well, effort, to be fair. Pretty good effort, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, first attempt. In, in has come Diego Costa. Uh, I think he's 33 years old now. Your thoughts on him coming in? Honestly, I, I can't. I can't help but kind of smile at the at the mention of his name. To be honest, it's fun um, times lie ahead, don't they? It's, yeah. it's like it's there's something that's quite childish about it. You knowing his history as a player and uh, the the kind of reputation he's got. Um, he's he's obviously been a, a great success across his career and played at the highest level and won the biggest trophies, but. To actually have him feature, I mean, uh, this morning I was watching the uh, behind the scenes of his first day. I was watching him walking around Wolverhampton. You know, I used to go to school across from that training ground. You know, it's, just, it's just a bizarre kind of feeling, um, yeah. and seeing him kind of integrating himself into the group and things. Let's be fair; we're not getting prime Diego Costa. He's not played football at the highest level for over a year now, and um, he's going to take some time to get up to speed but at the same time if you were beyond the transfer window and uh, in a bit of a, a between a rock and a hard place you know that hard place being signing Andy Carroll perhaps 
um, <laughs> you know, you definitely take Diego Costa just because I think it'll add a different dimension to the squad as, a, as an individual, as a personality and um, bring a hell of a lot more to what is a young, slightly naive group at times and mm. uh, add a bit of an edge to it. Yeah. Uh, as I said, he got six points from six games, which ain't a great return, but obviously early, pretty early in the season, is it not? But but you've also said you're probably one of your strongest squads you've had. What's the reputation of Bruno Large with Wolves fans right now? Because I've seen so many contradictory things, and perhaps that's because football is so knee-jerk that it only takes a fortnight for you know someone to be on the edge of the sack, you know, and then two weeks later they're completely you know the 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 top of the tree and everything's great again. So, what is his reputation with fans at the moment? It's it's a mixed bag. I think. A lot of probably the more level-headed amongst us would understand that he was ultimately trying to, um, we ended up kind of aping the system and tried to make it a little bit more progressive compared to the way Nuno's teams played. And it worked pretty well, although again, we were a fine margins team um, and often getting on the wrong side of things. And then ultimately we had a a run towards the end of last season after a couple of injuries to, to key players that really just, took us out of the running for Europe and um, when we were in a really favourable position, um, especially with the likes of West Ham, Man United, not really pulling up any trees in those positions. Mm. Um, but now you can actually see this as his squad, I think, to a degree. And at this point, I would say this is, this is when you can really judge what he's capable of as a manager. And I think the performances haven't really convinced. We've been in control of games. We've not really threatened. Um, so I think that's where we'd like to hopefully see a little bit more now that he came with a reputation of being a really attacking manager at Benfica, scored a hell of a lot of goals with that team that that won the title, but subsequently also fell off a cliff. And we're hoping that um, he can really embed his his kind of imprint and philosophy on the team first and, and make a good go of it. Mm. I think the, the game we've seen the whole of uh, so far this season is the, the loss at Spurs. And I thought you were easily the better side in the first half, but kind of fell away in the second. Would that be a, f- a fair, uh, <laughs> you know, rounded view of how the season's gone as a whole in a way? Because there's plenty yeah. of promise there, but not quite getting the results that get to go with the performances. Yeah, it's 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 been a bit of a, a damp squib kind of ending to most of the games, I think, mm. especially when you consider, as an example, we were nil-nil against Fulham at home uh, in our first home game of the season. Um, We'd controlled most of the game, had most of the possession. And when you really expect the team to push on and make a go of trying to score that winner, we, we kind of came up against a brick wall, ended up conceding a penalty, which fortunately Jose Sar saved. Mm. But that, that, that last 20 minutes when you want a kind of rousing effort to go and win the game, it didn't really arrive. And when we went behind against Spurs again in that game, it didn't really feel like we were able to conjure up anything, summon up the extra bit of energy and, and kind of you know, fire within us to kind of get back into the game. So slight concern, I think, there. But again, the talent the talent is all there for, for everyone to see. Yeah. Uh, Saturday's game, you were a fan of early kickoffs on a Saturday? Um, we haven't had one in such a long time. I've kind of got to try and re- get used to it. Um, I really can't remember the last time we had an early kickoff on a Saturday, to be honest. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, as a travelling fan, it's obviously not ideal. Um, so I, I do sympathise on that front, but for me, it's um, it's not such a you know tear up of the day. And um, I don't know, it's 
hopefully the weather shine the sun's shining and it'll be a nice day out at least <laughs> at that <laughs> point in time. So But Peppers, I mean, you've talked about defensive stability this season. I think you have conceded the fewest goals uh in the Premier League. It's- yeah, best defensive record in the in the league, which is which was a concern because we have shifted the shifted the system into a back four. We are playing with two set of halves and you know, Nathan Collins came in as a, as a new face uh, to the squad as well, who has only played what prior to joining us about nineteen Premier League games. Mm. Uh, but he's he's fitted in seamlessly alongside Max Kilman, and they've really shown that there was no need to be worried about that shift in shape because uh, ultimately, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding. We've been really, really solid defensively. Yeah, so I can guarantee we're not going to get a replay of the the game late in the last season and the five one to City, which was. The strangest of games in many ways, uh, ridiculously open as well. It had an end of season feel about it, certainly. Even even though obviously City needed to win, Pepper has quoted though Wolves has been one of his most difficult opponents in the Premier League. Why do you think that is? Is it do you think above all organisational strengths in your team do make you difficult to break down? Well, I think yeah, previous Wolves teams, you you can definitely say that, but this isn't quite the the group that probably would have given t- uh, Pep his, his toughest tests um, coming down to Molyneux and, and obviously at your place as well there was the season that we were yeah. in Europe and we we beat uh, City home and away which I can't imagine there are too many teams that can claim that to have, have claimed to have done that since Pep uh, took over certainly um, and that's a bit of a badge of honour for us um, in, in the way that those games panned out as well because they were pretty epic uh, epic fixtures Um what I will say is that the last game, like you just mentioned at Molyneux, was a bit of a step away from that. We tried to make a bit more of a go of it going forward and ultimately Kevin De Bruyne um, was Kevin De Bruyne and uh, took every opportunity that came his way and it was an incredible performance from him. Um, I, th- I think the funny thing is... I think it's the, the performance of the season by a City player, I would say, well, this is the thing. I don't think City as a group were necessarily, you know, firing on all cylinders that day. But mm. he was just of such a high level. It's so clinical with all of his finishing. And, you know, I think it was, it might have been his hat-trick goal where he, he smashed it in left-footed from the edge of the box. And you just saw the, the kind of clarity and cleanliness of the strike. And it just ended up in the bottom corner before Joe had moved. And... Just an incredible player to watch and I've always really loved to kind of seeing him in the flesh. So how do you think Wolves are going to line up? Are you pretty confident you know who the 11 would be? Do you think uh, Lars will play his normal way or play, or do you think he'll change his style because it's against City, play more defensively? How, how do you think it's going to go, basically? It's in mind where you've got all the individuals you'd expect to have there. Um, so you're probably talking at this point uh, Semedo, Collins, Kilman, Johnny, Nunes, Neves, and Matinho midfield with Neto. Um, question mark obviously over centre forward position with Raul Jimenez dropping out at the uh, last fixture and not sure what his fitness levels are, are saying at the moment. And then probably Daniel Pedence after scoring the winner last week, uh, last game, sorry. And the, the interesting thing that we did against Spurs was that Neto dropped in basically as a wing back. And, and was mm. tracking uh, Ivan Perisic from from quite a high position, so there's that option. Um, but there is also the option to play with a genuine four three three. So I'm I'm curious as to to how he's going to set up. Obviously, 
we know about all the the dangers that City pose from many areas of the pitch, um, and the the slight kind of alteration of their system with Erling Haaland now featuring within it. So I guess there's a there's a discussion to be had uh, within the Wolves coaching setup as to to how to combat that. Yeah. I normally ask which players should City fans be wary of, but is it fair to say Wolves are a unit, a team unit, and really it would be a bit churlish and pointless to pick out individuals that might do damage to City? Not necessarily. Um, I think as an attacking unit, we, we've not really fired on any cylinders at the mm. moment, and it has come down to kind of maybe an individual uh, stepping up to score a goal. Um, so, therefore, I mean... He is still at the club. He is uh, not necessarily a long-term option for us, but Adama Traore, I think, oh. is is the one player that, that many Wolves fans would love to see start against City, just knowing uh, the yes. kind of threat he poses. And that, <laughs> is, is that, yes, is I'm that kind, kind of, of hoping he doesn't, yeah. Yeah, he's that kind of back-of-the-mind player for many teams, isn't he, where you think, oh, shit, should I make that run forward if uh, I know I've got kind of Adama on my shoulder ready to pounce? Um, with his pace, uh, but I mean, it's very harsh to say this because it's you know it's very harsh on him. But he's one of those that City fans say, "Oh, he only plays well against us," you know, <laughs> because you know he what? always does play well against us. So. If you look back uh, at his goal record in particular, it is pretty much a case. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, especially from a Premier League perspective, so uh, yeah, it's um, maybe that's uh, the, the 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 calling for us to actually give him a start. But I'm not expecting him to start, to be honest, and. You know. I think Pedro Neto is, is one player who come back from a serious injury and hasn't hit the ground running this season. But Wolves fans have a really kind of high opinion of and um, hoping that he can take advantage of some of the, you know, in, in the same way kind of Sam Maxwell kind of took advantage of some of the spaces that opened up for, for Newcastle in the three or draw early this season. Maybe uh, Neto can, can do that for us as well. You say the same about Jimenez in, uh, about finding his form again. Has he, has he struggled for you? I, I've, I mean, it's really sad to say, but I, I genuinely think Raul is just not ever going to hit the heights that he that he did in those first couple of seasons back in the Premier League with us. He's he's for one very totally, obvious reason, yeah. Partly, but I just think he's he's totally lost any kind of clarity about how he wants to play. Um, you know, he if uh, the particular game I, that I was frustrated with him in this season so far was Bournemouth away. Um, he wasn't holding on to the ball. Um, and that's the, my, my personal most basic request of any striker. If the ball comes up to you, make sure you hold on to it. And, it, mm. and there's, there's, there's players around him to go out and score goals, but players can play off him. And uh, we've got the talent around him to maybe lessen a bit of the burden to score goals. But then if he's not going to hold on to the ball, I think that's a, that's a major, major flaw in our attacking plan. And we need a striker who's going to, who's going to be able to do that. Any chance Diego Costa coming straight into the side, or do you think he's not really ready yet? I I doubt it, but you know it's uh, it'd be nice to see him uh, featuring on the bench, maybe <laughs> um, give him ten minutes towards the end to ruffle a few feathers. Um, but I, I can't see him starting. I mean, there's there's no expectation on him to be ready for a Premier League side to to lead mm. the line against Man City. Come on, and he can answer with your head or your heart. Do you see this being a really tight game that could be decided by a single goal? Because I think I do. Yeah, I think I think it could be. I think it could be. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how well Collins and Kilman obviously handle uh, Holland and 
I fancy their chances, uh, genuinely, because I think they've been exceptional so far this season. And if anybody can maybe put a lid in him, I, I'd, I'd back them, the pair of them. Yeah. Mm. And you are generally, you know, say with the points, right, but you are generally happy with the, the performance levels of the team as the, the season develops. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay at the moment. I think we could do with uh, a bit more, um, in terms of our attacking output, naturally. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily going to happen this weekend. I'm not expecting that to, to, to all of a sudden click into gear on Saturday. Do you have aspirations for the season or is it just to see where it goes? I think players and, and the aspirations that they have to go and play at the highest level. If we don't fe- feature highly in the league, I think some of them could be moving on. So it's it's up to the club to make sure they keep pace with the trajectory of the careers of the likes of Neves and Nunes. Yeah. Do, do your owners ever talk about what they aspire, where they see the club going or? Well, they were quite open about when they, they came in to, to be fighting at the upper echelons of the, the, the Premier League. Um, yeah. I think they've tempered those expectations a little bit, having understood how much financially it would take to get to that stage. Um, but ultimately, I think they want to be consistently in Europe. And uh, that's not too far out of reach, I don't think. How much would it mean for you to see well, your team in Europe? It's not the first time, obviously, but yeah, I, I mean, it was a it was a life ambition to to attend a, a Wolves match in Europe, which I managed to complete a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but again, you, once you've once you've had one taste of it, you're going to want more, and uh, we're looking forward to hopefully having some of that in the near future. Yeah. Right, we always end with a score prediction. So, what do you think the score will be on Saturday? I think I'll go with a a one one one. I'm going to go one one. Yeah, I should point out no opposition fan so far this season has predicted their own team to lose. And that's exactly how it should be. I'm going to go for a tight two one win to City because I think two things. Yeah, you may struggle to score, but City like to make things hard for themselves and go behind first before starting playing yeah. quite a lot of the time. I think we do have a goal in us to concede. So I think it's going to be a very tight game and I just don't like City playing. I have this in, I have with the stats, not no stats to back it up, but I do have this feeling, this perceived feeling that City don't play well in early kickoffs on a Saturday. And of course they played on Wednesday night. So yeah. There is, there is, people say that about the early kickoff. It's always a bit of a, it always throws mm. up a surprise here and there. So, so hopefully we, it does. Was, yeah. we will see. I'm expecting a very tight game, I think. So looking forward to it. Golly, thank you very much for coming on and speaking to us. Great. No worries. Thanks for yeah. having me. Uh, as always, after this weekend, all the best uh, for you and your club this season. Uh, yeah, I hope, uh, hope you do get into Europe at the end of the season. Uh, yeah. And thanks for coming on once more. And we go back to the panel now to preview Saturday's match. Okay, thanks again to Gully for chatting to us. And it's time for us to preview the early kickoff on Saturday. Yes, it's the return of Premier League football after a small break. Uh, it's Wolverhampton Wanderers against Manchester City. Uh, Lloyd, I did ask Gully about this. Early kickoffs on a Saturday kind of fill me with dread, to be honest. I don't have the stats to hand, but. It does seem, I read somewhere, that you can't play Champions League Wednesday night and then play on a Saturday. I assume that just in, that related to teams that are away in Europe. But just, it, I don't know, I'm a bit wary of this game, just the timing timing of it early on a Saturday. In my head, I've got this idea that City don't always get going. Early Saturday games. 
Yeah, no, uh, well, I think, I think you're right to be slightly concerned. Um, and I actually think what has been quite an interesting pattern of the season so far is I think a lot of games have not gone how we'd have imagined in that we've started not great and we've ended up winning most of them and coming back. And that's obviously been very a massive contrast to previous seasons. Hmm. Um, but I think, you know, for example, against Villa, um, I think against Dortmund the other night, um, you know, I think ideally Pep would have been taken off Haaland, De Bruyne, etc. on like 55, 60 minutes. But we've ended up chasing a lot of these games um, late into the game and we've kind of had to keep, you know, some of the best players on to try and get over the line. And generally we have, and that's been great. But I do think there's a point where there's, there comes a point where that will have a bit of a knock-on effect on the lineup. Um, thankfully, we have had the the kind of unexpected break because of the the Queen's passing, um, and I do think that gives some a little bit of kind of wiggle room, which I'm sure Pep will be very pleased with. But like you say, to play late on Wednesday night and then be you know at Molyneux twelve thirty, that's a pretty quick turnaround. So. I expect there will be quite a few changes to the lineup this weekend. Okay, well, that's obviously the next question then. Uh, what evidence can we use from the Dortmund lineup to try and work out what team you may pick for this one? So I think there are two dead certs to start that didn't start, and that's Bernardo and Phil. Yeah. I think they both come straight back in. I think um, where Bernardo plays is probably the big question in terms of does he come in for one of Gundo and Kev and play midfield or does he play out wide as he has been in a few games this season? I think if he plays out wide again, it really is a message and um, a nail in the coffin of Mares because Bernardo Silva should not be playing on the wing for us at the moment, given the options that we have. Um, I know Asan thinks it's also a bit of a slight on Palmer, but I don't really agree with that at this stage. I think that's really, to me, that's Pep firing a message at Mahrez. Um So interested to see where he plays. I, I'm not sure I can really call it, to be honest. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, the defence, kind of a bit guesswork, isn't it, really? I think Diaz will come back in as well, is is, is probably likely. So let's say there, there are probably three changes. Were you surprised he didn't start against Dortmund? Not massively, no, to be honest. I think they've spoken about the importance of managing his minutes off the back of his recurring um, hamstring injuries. And I think, actually, he's looked pretty solid this season so far, Ruben. I think he's, he's looked pretty good. Um and I think they're obviously just just taking a little bit of caution, and they obviously just wanted to to pull him out the other day. So, and there's been no news of like any niggles or he's struggling. Mm. So, I, I imagine it was just you know sit this one out, lad. Um, so, how the defence looks, I genuinely don't know. I th- I would Ake imagine undroppable. Ake undroppable. Well, Stones undroppable after that goal. Um, yeah, I th- I, th- I think. It- you know what? It's no coincidence that I think when Ake's played this season, we've probably looked almost secure defensively when he's been on the pitch. Um, and I think from a kind of seniority point of view, I'd be surprised if Akanji plays because he's pretty fresh. And whilst I think he's been amazing, to be honest, given how little he's yeah. played with his teammates and had training, I think he's fit like an absolute glove. I think it is probably fair that, you know, the other guys are ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, and I think he would understand that, to be honest. So I would, Im- my guess would be 
it would be um, Cancelo left back with Ake and Ruben. And if Stones can go again, then Stones are right back would be my guess. Um, what it actually looks like, Lord knows. Um, I really don't know. What do you think? Do you think there's a chance maybe Gomez comes in? Uh, I think Walker. Walker's still not fit, is he not? So don't think so. Uh, they're getting better. Remains a doubt for the weekend, according to Guardiola in the press conference. So we can take that as a no. <laughs> he's not. He's not playing, is he? No. Uh, yes, I think I trust Stones at right back. He's he's done fine there, but it's just why? <laughs> yeah, we're still scotch bad about about against Dortmund. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I prefer. I see why, as in, if you put Gomez in, then you're moving Cancelo again, and you know he can be rusty if he plays it right back because he ain't used to it anymore. So maybe it's easy to keep Cancelo there and just play someone like Stones there. It's not an easy one for me to answer, to be honest. But I prefer two fullbacks playing at fullback. So, uh, but again, yeah, we've got plenty of options in the middle now. I mean, Laporte's not going to feature. Obviously, he's back in training, but we've got yeah, four. But we still have four options there. The Kanji's just made himself very available, you know, for selection now because of how well he's done. So it's not an easy one to to answer, really, is it? So have we have we have we seen Gomez start in the Premier League? I don't think we have yet. No. Have we? No. no, yeah, I, I just I, I can't see that this no. weekend. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, well, he did it in Seville, but what options did we have? Uh, it went well, but City was so dominant in that. Then I guess Pep will make tactical decisions against. Well, he doesn't know who he's going to be facing, do we? Because we come to the Wolves side, and you know, and there's there's unknowns there, uncertainties about two players who we know quite well from the past about whether they will face us and maybe Pep will have to try and work out who's best to play in defence according to who he expects to, to line up against and who's best against Podence for, for example and stuff like that so I don't have strong feelings but I think you're right I think my hunch is that yeah perhaps John Stones will remain at right back so are you more settled with that idea than I am? I mean I don't love it but I think Stones brings a level of defensive security that yeah. you can be very certain of. I think Stones also brings um, an ability to bring the ball out from the back to kind of get, I think, to be completely honest, deliver better passing from right-back position than what Walker provides. And I think he's someone, if Pep needs him to slot slightly into midfield as like a... Um, an extra central midfielder like we obviously have seen Kyle do a yeah. lot this season I think he's going to be much better at that than than Walker so it does make sense um, and I think Gomez is still so early in his career and they're clearly not fully convinced of him albeit he did start in Sevilla which I do think was a, a nod I, I'm pretty alright with it um, at this stage I, it just obviously one one injury to Walker and Cancelo it just blows open Um our defensive issues, I think. And mm. that's obviously what we've seen very early in the season. Which is why if you sign Gomez, you kind of at some point have to have faith in him because, yeah. Otherwise Again. we're having an option conversation, aren't we? Well, we yeah, we spend the next three years playing Stones at right back. So, and then we go through the same routine as we did with our left back uh, every transfer window. 
Uh, how do you see this playing out then? Wolves have the meanest defence, and I think last season, even though we put five past them towards the end of the season, and I think we can assume we're not going to see City win 5-1 this weekend. Uh, I think they're the best defence outside the top four last season as well. They seem to do well to control games, but lack a killer edge to score two in the last five. Obviously, as Gully said, they've lost their star strike, new signing with a crucial ligament. In has come Diego Costa. They are struggling for goals, but they do look good quite a lot. So, yeah, I watched them first half against Spurs and they just kind of like watching Brighton in a way. <laughs> it's like until they got into front, mm. they were great until they got in front of goal and then they end up losing as they, you know, as Spurs ease their way back into it in the second half. You're expecting a tight game because my honest opinion, and I've just called the previous game completely wrong, so this counts for nothing. I'm expecting quite a, a dull, tight game, perhaps, mm. because yeah. that's what was one of those. No offense, what was one of those sides that perhaps you don't want to watch because they're well organized, but they're not that entertaining, even though they've got plenty of skill in that side. That I think this game could be, you know, a, a bit of a chess match for quite a while, at least for the first half. I'm with you. I'm with you. So if 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 that prediction goes down. This week, and then we both go down together. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, twice we, in a week. Yeah, twice in a week. You just keep the records going. Um, you're right. We obviously smashed them last season, but that was a very uncharacteristic game against Wolves. Generally, that home game as well. I remember? Oh God! Yeah. Jeez. I mean, generally against Wolves, when Pep's been here, we've we've. We've struggled. We've never really, apart from that game last season when De Bruyne scored four, and it felt like a freak game, didn't it? I mean, well, it felt like one one player basically had an field day. Yeah, dragging us over the line single-handedly, to be honest. Exactly. And I think, you know, like you say, you can just look at the statistics of Wolves since they've been back in the Premier League, and they are one of the meanest defences I'm expecting a tight game as well. Um, they've showed that they can really shut up shop against big teams. And I think the thing is they can make it tight to the point where then it gets uncomfortable kind of around 60, 65 minutes. And like you say, they've got, they've got really good players in attack. And I mm. think they haven't, they haven't got over the line and made the difference that yet this season. And that has been a little bit of a kind of passage of Wolves under Bruno Large, but you know, in, in Pedro Neto, Pedence, Guedes, Triore, and potentially a half fit Diego Costa coming on for half an hour. That's that's quite a lot of quality. And, you know, they a lot of those players, I think in particularly Neto and Triore and Costa, but albeit he doesn't sound like he's fully fit, these guys have caused us big problems in the past. Big, big problems. So I think it's going to be a tight game. I'd be really surprised if we score more than two. Um, I think we should have enough to get over the line and I actually think and I know this is probably your next question but with um, the Scousers and United obviously not playing I think it actually is really important for us to to oh. kind of to get to get over the line hopefully it's not, it's not the legendary must win Lloyd game is it? no no it's not it's not <laughs> it's not but you know I think after stuttering after stuttering against Villa there'll be you know, in a game that we really should have won for a number of reasons, there'll be I think there'll be a lot of onus on getting three points here, kind of by hook or by crook, given how soon it was since Wednesday when we played. 
Diego Costa ain't starting, is he? Let's be honest. I think there's an incredibly small chance of that. It sounds like he's been out of football for six months. He can't be in. He can't be in a condition um, athletically um, that will allow him to start a Premier League game. And I think he'll be coming on for you know somewhere between thirty and you know fifteen minutes at the end of the game. And I think to be honest, at that point of the game. A half-fit Diego Costa can definitely cause problems. Mm. We've seen it plenty of times in the Premier League. Um, I just hope that the game is somewhat um, in a slightly comfortable position by that point. And gulp, Traore, <laughs> back from Barcelona, mm. Jones. Uh, do you think? Do you think he could be picked? I don't think he's he's not started for Nasa, but do you think he could be picked because of his history against City? I think managers think about that. Maybe, but I think a bit like we've spoken about hierarchy at City, I think there's a, there's a bit of a clear hierarchy developing at Wolves this season, and that is of probably Neto and Guedes as the two starters, Pedence as the next cab off the rank, um, or to play in a three behind behind the attacker, and then I'd say Traore is probably fourth choice. So there's a chance because, my God, he has caused us big problems in the past hasn't he not at the Etihad and at Molyneux um, but I'd be surprised if he starts and I think again like Costa he's probably going to be someone that comes on and could cause us real issues but de- entirely depends on where we are in the game whether we're chasing it and they're ahead which has obviously been a pattern in a lot of City games recently or whether we're in a bit more of a comfortable position they're trying to get an equaliser or a winner mm. so I guess if we're expecting a tight game we talked about tempo, the lack of it. You know, we saw it against Nottingham Forest. Didn't really see it, perhaps against. Uh, well, I think Pep said he would were passive, very passive against Dortmund initially. How important is City getting a quick tempo in this game from the start? I think it's key, yeah, because otherwise, as we've seen in many City games, once if we don't, if we're not on it from the off. The, that's how it almost sets the tone for the game from there and you kind of know within 5-10 minutes like oh Christ is it going to be one of those days and I think actually what is really of our, to our benefit is that in midfield with um, Neves uh, Matinho and obviously they've they've signed Nunez as well who, who looks to be a good player they've not got the most dynamic midfield there so I think if we get in and around them and, and we press like we did against Forest, I think we could cause them big problems. Um, that being said, those three are all excellent on the ball and are well capable of kind of threading the passes through our lot to release the better, quicker players up front. So, yeah, I think really getting into them early, particularly because it's, you know, at Molyneux, it's an early kickoff, they'll be up for it, will be key to kind of, hopefully quelling um, what could be a very difficult game. So who do you want to see wide? City. I, I mean, I my ideal choice, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Foden and Alvarez play. I don't think Alvarez will play because no. I just don't think he's built enough of a head of steam yet. And Pep's still using him as a bench slash start in the odd game player. And that's fine. But for me, he's looked much more impressive when he has played as compared with Grealish and Morris. So um, being realistic, I think what I would like to see actually 
is Grealish on the left, Foden on the right, and Haaland up front. I think Phil looks much better on the right against Sevilla. I thought that was his best game of the season. And I thought it gave him a bit more um, options in terms of being able to go inside and out. I'd like to see Grealish over Mahrez because I really do think Mahrez has stunk the place out. But look, if, if Bernardo plays on the right and Foden's on the left, I'm going to struggle to have too many problems no, with it. I don't parley them players, but I don't. I really don't want to see Mahrez starting this game. Yeah, there'll be other opportunities, but this is definitely not one I want to see. Well, he just doesn't like, deserve it. Like you, this is great. Deserve it, does he? No, he doesn't deserve it. It's a great opportunity for City, you know, in a tough game to get some, to get three points before the break when some rivals aren't playing. So, yeah. It's got to be, got to be looking at it as you know, an important game as such. So not one to be taking risks with or giving, allowing players to work their way into form. You've got to think about that. So, just final question: Someone like Cole Palmer, when do you think he's going to get his chance? When we hit the really, the the real carnage of the season, basically. I guess it's easy for a manager like Pep to in the early weeks of a season, you just go with your senior players, you've not got many injuries, but and you want to start well, get some momentum, get points on, and, you know, it's obvious the teams he's picked, but there's going to come a point, you know, no need to be worried about the likes of Cole Palm at the moment, or even Alvarez, because when you get to November, you know, just be, and, and when we get mm. to after the World Cup, then they, they will have to play, won't they? Absolutely, and we've not, Look, Palmer, I'm less concerned about. He's feeling his way in. Um, he's still a kid, albeit he's 20. <laughs> and, you know, I just think it's... I think we need to be patient with him. He's not started a game yet this season that isn't the Barcelona friendly. So that's something key to note. Um, for me, Alvarez is doing... I mean, I don't think Alvarez could be doing any more, to be honest, from the opportunities he's been given. And I think if the current trends continue, i.e. Grealish continues as he is, Mahrez continues as he is, Alvarez continues as he is, then I think it'll it'll get to the point where it's almost good it's almost going to be impossible for Pep to leave Alvarez out. Um so let's see. Yeah, nice dilemmas to have. Right, finally, score prediction. Oh, it's really tough this week. Mm. Um I think ordinarily against Wolves, I'd say we'll keep a clean sheet and I'd back us. But we've not been good at the back so far this season and it's been for different reasons. Like against Palace, we hardly conceded any chances, but we shipped two goals. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 2-1. I've just got a feeling that it'll be another non-clean sheet day. I hope I'm wrong because I think we need one, to be honest. Yeah, well, I agree um, with you, but despite that, I'm going to go for a very nervy nil one. Yeah. A nil one. Look, I'd take that. I'd yeah. absolutely oh, take that. I'd take any win. So, but yeah, I don't think this is going to be an easy one at all. And yeah, that's such a an outlier that five one at the end of last season when two teams in very different situations. Basically, yeah, we're not going to see a game like that. Surely, no, I'd be no, happy if we five one again. Yeah, and Kevin De Bruyne got four goals. So I think I'd take that. So, I've got one final question for you. Go on. Do you think there's any chance Haaland doesn't start? No. Even though he basically played the entire game on Wednesday. Yeah, we only touched it seven times, so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I can't see fitness. I mean, obviously they have sports scientists at the group and they, at the, the club, and they know everyone's fitness. You know, the I think players even have to report how, 
how many hours they sleep every night and all sorts. They know basically. Mm. So, and they have the zones, don't they? The amber zone, red zone. If he's showing signs of fatigue, then obviously, yes, they'll probably think, right, we, you know, never take chances with Haaland. He's, he's, he's already proven to us that he is so essential that Andy does have some injuries record, you know. They're not. They're going to be cautious with him, but I don't think we're at that stage right now. I assume his fitness is 100. percent There's absolutely no reason to to rotate him. And he's been called up for Norway, of course, but that's not City's concern. So he's still. I don't know what the games are for Norway over the break, but you assume he's not going to be worked to the bone, is he? So no, it would be very strange at this point. After the United game, I don't know what the games are after that. You know, should he be fit, I could see it happening, yeah. But even like Copenhagen at home, you could see it happening. That's mm. perhaps an opportunity. But that, that's, yeah, that yeah. feels like a maybe that feels like an Alvarez up front maybe yeah. game. Something like that. Right now, unless there's as I say, the signs that he's showing a, any risk of picking up an injury because of his physical state. Absolutely no reason for that to happen. Uh, yeah, unless there's something we don't know. Uh, no, I'd, I'd be gutted if he doesn't start against Wolves. Because again, we're talking about a game that we expect to be very tight. And if, more than ever, this is a game where, well, he doesn't touch it for 30 minutes and then scores two goals. This is exactly the type of game where we could really do with him. So give him one sniff and he might, you know, he should score. So. No, I don't think so. Unless, unless there's a risk of injury, he has to play for me. So, Agreed. Good. Right, we have run out of time. Lloyd, thank you very much for coming on today and speaking to us. Pleasure. That is a wrap, everyone. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered quite a lot there. Could have gone on for another two hours about the Dortmund match, but you've all got your own views about that. <laughs> uh, we did win. And yeah, we're off to... We're now off to work out why there's two Premier League games tonight. Uh, have a good weekend all. Don't let the thought of an international break get you too down. Stay safe, take care, and as always, up the blues.